Welcome to In the Loop on WCRX-FM 88.1 Chicago. Welcome back to In the Loop with Louise Nets and Yasmin Chica. This is Yasmin and it is now time for the news block. Let's take a look at world news. Two passengers on board the Diamond Princess cruise ship infected with the coronavirus have died. The Japanese passengers in their 80s have been in quarantine since February 3rd at a port near Tokyo. Japan's health ministry says the male and female passengers were hospitalized last week after testing positive for the virus. They died just days later. 634 passengers on board have tested positive for the virus, according to the Japanese agency. More than half of the 634 people are being labeled as symptomatic pathogen carriers, which means they may not show symptoms of the virus, but they can still transmit it and become sick themselves. According to the Worldometers, there are approximately 75,781 cases around the world, with 2,130 deaths and 16,917 recovery cases. Nine people were shot at two locations in Hanu, a city in western Germany, Wednesday night. Local media have identified the suspect as Tobias R., a German citizen. Shots were fired at the midnight shisha bar in the city center. Police said a dark vehicle was seen leaving the location at about 10 p.m. local time, and a second shooting then followed at the arena bar and cafe in the Kettlestick District. Witnesses recall hearing eight to nine shots, according to local media outlets. The gunman was later found dead in his home, alongside the body of his mother. Chancellor Angela Markell said that there were many signs that the attacker in Hnu acted out of racism. German media says R also left a letter of confession and authorities are looking into a video from the suspect posted online just days before the attacks in which he expressed right-wing conspiracy theories. A man has been arrested in what is being investigated as attempted murder after a stabbing at a London Central Mosque. A 29-year-old man was held down until police arrived after stabbing a 70-year-old worshipper in the shoulder. The victim was taken to the hospital where paramedics say he is not in any life-threatening condition, according to local media outlets. Witnesses were reported saying the attacker has been seen at the mosque before and was praying behind the victim when he pulled out the knife and stabbed him. That's all for world news, but let's see what's going on here in the U.S. President Trump commuted the sentence of ex-Illinois Governor Rod Blagojevich, convicted in 2011 for the campaign corruption scheme. Blagojevich was initially sentenced to 14 years in prison and has been released after serving just eight years now that the president has commuted the sentence. He served eight years in jail. It's a long time, and uh, I watched his wife on television. Uh, I don't know him very well. I met him a couple of times. He was on for a short while of The Apprentice years ago. Uh, seemed like a very nice person. Don't know him. Blagojevich returned home to Ravenswood on Tuesday, seen with a smile, white hair, and a new self-title of a Trumpocrat. We uh, want to express our most profound and everlasting gratitude to President Trump. How do you properly thank someone who's given you back the freedom that was stolen from you? Uh, he didn't have to do this. He's a Republican president. I was a Democratic governor. And doing this does nothing to help his politics. Actually, turn an injustice into a justice. Got a, I'm a Trumpocrat. The Trumpocrat, that's right. The move sparked criticism from Illinois lawmakers who said Trump was not taking Blagojevich's crimes as seriously. Governor J.B. Pritzker announced in his annual budget address Wednesday his preferred plan to increase funding for public schools and a promise to increase pension payment to voters approving his graduated income tax plan and another plan that would then limit new spending. Pritzker would remove $1.4 billion in spending, which is, project, which is the projected amount of revenue his income tax plan would raise from his $42 billion proposal if voters in November rejected one of his top campaign priorities. Now on to the sports world. Ryan Newman is expected to survive the fiery crash made at the Daytona 500. Newman's bumper was hit to the right, which caused Newman's car to turn right barely missing others and slamming into the track barrier. The crash caused Newman's car to flip onto its roof and then slide before catching fire. It took safety crews about 16 minutes to extract Newman from his number six Ford and load him onto an awaiting ambulance. He remained hospitalized Tuesday afternoon. 
According to the New York Times, Newman's team said he was in serious condition but did not have any life-threatening injuries after the major wreck. A statement put out on Twitter by Rouge Fenway reads, Ryan Newman continues to show great improvement after Monday night's last lap accident at Daytona International Speedway. The veteran driver is fully alert and walking around Hayfax Medical Center, adding that he's also been joking around with staff, friends, and family while spending time playing with his two daughters. The tweet was then followed by, Ryan Newman continues great improvement with a picture of him and his two daughters. In other news in the sports world, the Chicago Fire has reached a multi-year deal with WGN-TV to now air their games. The soccer team that is now playing in Soldier Field has announced their partnership with WGN Channel 9, in which WGN will air 24 matches this season. The final 10 remaining games will be on national broadcasts and are streamable on ESPN. The Fire's first match on WGN will air March 7th against the New England Revolution in Foxborough, Massachusetts. This striking deal includes a monthly series and a behind-the-scenes access to the team along with a special called FC Homecoming, which is set to air March 20th. In the entertainment world, the Pitchfork Music Festival lineup has been released and there are many acts making their way to Chicago this summer. The 2020 event taking place in Union Park from July 17 to July 19, include names such as Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs, who will be performing on night one, followed by other acts such as Run the Jewels on night two, and finishing off the event night three will be acts such as The National. The annual event has general admission and plus admission, which includes curated food and cocktails from notable Chicago restaurants and, pr and private bars complimentary storage lockers, charging stations, free festival basics such as sunscreen, ponchos, water, and more. The Plus tickets are available on a first-come, first-served basis, starting at $160 for a one-day pass and $385 for a three-day pass. General admission is $75 for one day and $85 for a three-day pass. And now to take a look at this weekend's forecast. The high for today, Friday, February 21st, is 38 degrees with a low of 26. Tomorrow, Saturday, February 22nd, the high will be 46 degrees and the low will be 31 degrees. It looks like it's going to be partly cloudy. Sunday, it's going to be a high of 49 degrees and a low of 35 and again, partly cloudy. Looks like there's some precipitation next week, but I guess we'll get to that one next week. If you missed part of the news block on In the Loop with Yasmina Louise, no worries because our podcast is available on iTunes and Spotify. Check us out at In the Loop. This is In the Loop with Louise Nets and Yasmin Shika. We'll be right back. Welcome back to In The Loop with me, Yasmin Chica, and now joined with me is my co-host, Louise Metz. Thanks for coming into the studio. Yeah, I just got out of class. Yeah. It was great. What class was it? I'm in the Beat Literature class, um, which is so much fun. It's taught by um, a Marine veteran who was actually in Vietnam from 66 to 70. So the stuff that we're reading, like Kerouac and Burroughs and Ginsburg, who's my personal fave, um, is all stuff that was really popular when like he was 25 so it's a really amazing class i'm really enjoying it would you say that's your favorite class of the semester um i mean besides doing this show no um yeah I know, getting I, to I, work with me is so great. it's so great <laughs> no um, i'm just kidding no i actually really love it um but i think it was so when i was filling out my schedule for the semester it was um my mom really tried to convince me to do yoga because she was like oh you have this really busy semester it's my you know it's my senior year i definitely am not having like a easy senior last senior semester um so she's like well why don't you take yoga because like you know you'll need time that's a nice easy class to fill out your schedule and you know you won't have be stressed out about it but i was like mom i don't want to pay college tuition to take yoga so instead i'm taking this literature class that i thought was actually an honors literature class which would have been even worse but thank god it's not and i'm really enjoying it and um i think this week we read um 
a bunch of uh, Lawrence Ferlinghetti, which was awesome. And then um, next week, we're actually reading my favorite poem ever, which is um, America by Allen Ginsberg. Um, which, uh, this is like the nerdiest thing of my life. I might cut this out, I don't know. But when my Tinder profile was active, um, America by Allen Ginsberg, the poem was actually my featured track on my Tinder account. Oh, <laughs> That's cute. Is it? Or it is. is it weird? It is, because it shows your personality. No, like, I mean, I'm not on Tinder, but like, if I was, I would want to put the most outright thing about me. On my, yeah, I would want but normally, to know. normally people have their featured track as like bad baby. So like, <laughs> I don't, I can't name one of their, one of their. So like, yeah. Anyway, so we're gonna talk a little bit about politics, right? Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> we discussed, <laughs> and not about bad baby. Um, but so the debate happened last night. I don't know if you tuned in. I actually missed it. Yeah, you missed. You missed a time. Like, it was, um, I think out of all the debates so far, coming the debates coming up to now compared to this one were such a snooze fest. Um, everybody was getting along. And when people did, uh, when all the candidates did uh, go at each other, it was pretty tame. But this time, it was a like just a knockdown, drag out fight between everybody everybody was after everybody i think one of the one of the biggest moments of the night was right out of the gate warren came out and had a big surprise attack on bloomberg to talk about who we're running against a billionaire who calls women fat broads and horse-faced lesbians and no i'm not talking about donald trump i'm talking about mayor bloomberg <laughs> democrats are not going to win if we have a nominee who has a history of hiding his tax returns of harassing women and of supporting racist policies like redlining and stop and frisk look i'll support whoever the Democratic nominee is. But understand this. Democrats take a huge risk if we just substitute one arrogant billionaire for another. This country has worked for the rich for a long time and left everyone else in the dirt. It is time to have a president who will be on the side of working families and be willing to get out there and fight for them. That is why I am in this race and that is how I will beat Donald Trump. That kind of reminds me of high school when that one student would talk back to the teacher and get sent to in school, but their last remark would always be that thing that would make the class go, oh. I know. It was so, it was crazy. I mean, she definitely planned for that. But I have very few times watching television in general have, like, got up from my couch and, like, ran in a circle and was like, oh, my God. <laughs> you should have been But there. it was, like, it was that crazy. Um, so I think I think some of those those fights between the candidates were some of the highlights of the night. Also, um, Pete and Pete Buttigieg and Amy Klobuchar really um, went at each other too. I think they they are kind of fighting for that for the centrist candidate role. Um, I think having a president that maybe is humble and is able to admit that here and there maybe wouldn't be a bad thing. Mayor Buttigieg, but it was, if you could that let me, good response. If you could, yeah, look, I, I wouldn't liken this to trivial. I actually didn't know how many members were in the, the Knesset, so well, you got there you me go. there. <laughs> but you're staking your candidacy on your Washington experience. You're on the committee that oversees border security. You're on the committee that does trade. You're literally in uh, part of the committee that's overseeing these things, and we're not able to speak to literally the first thing about the politics of the country you, to ourselves. Are you trying to say that I'm dumb or are you mocking me here, Pete? I'm I saying that you shouldn't trivialize I made that an error. People sometimes forget names. I am the one that has, number one, has the experience based on passing over 100 Thank bills. You, if I could respond, this was a pretty big <laughs> allegation. He's basically saying that I don't have the experience to be president of the United States. It was so funny because we were watching it too, and I just couldn't let go of the fact that standing next to each other, Pete literally could have been Amy's son. Like <laughs> standing next to each other, they're just, you know, he's so young. It's um, it's crazy. How old is he? I believe he's thirty-eight. Okay. Um, and if if he were elected, he'd be the youngest um, president in history. So another another big. We already talked about Bloomberg a little bit, but it was a obviously a big um 
debate for him because it was the first time he was actually on the debate stage. Uh, there was a lot of talk about what that was going to be like since he hasn't, I don't think he has been in a debate in about 11 years. Um, he's been focusing on his businesses and, and stuff like that. Um, he had a few really good moments. I think one of them um, was against the front runner Bernie Sanders, where he was defending um, capitalism versus socialism and trying to, to present that argument um, in a way. What a wonderful country we have. The best known socialist in the country happens to be a millionaire with three houses. What I miss here? Well, you'll miss that I work in Washington, House 1. That's the first problem. Live in Burlington, House 2. That's good. And like thousands of other Vermonters, I do have a summer camp. Forgive me for that. Where is your home? Which tax... Which tax haven New do you York, have your home? New York City, thank you very much, yeah, right, and I pay yeah, all my home. taxes, and I'm happy to do it because I get something for it. And let me. A lot of people, I think, found his performance fairly uninspiring, um, at least what I was what I was seeing online, and also uh, every it seemed like every candidate right out of the gate was sort of coming at him, like they were he was target number one um, for everybody for sure. Even though he is not the front runner, he's polling really well right now. But it'll be interesting to see after this uh, after this performance how well he does. Also, I think I think the the worst moment of the night for him was uh, he had to defend himself um, when it came to some of his past comments about women in his workplaces and um, some non disclosure agreements um, that he has with some of his employees. And basically his response uh, to how he's treated female employees in his workplace was, well, maybe they didn't like my jokes, I guess, um, which was kind of unsatisfying to a lot of people. So the mayor has to stand on his record. And what we need to know is exactly what's lurking out there. He has gotten some number of women, dozens, who knows, to sign non-disclosure agreements, both for sexual harassment and for gender discrimination in the workplace. So, Mr. Mayor, are you willing to release all of those women from those non-disclosure agreements so we can hear their side of the story? We have a very few non-disclosure agreements. How, how many Let is Let me that? finish. How many is that? None of them accuse me of doing anything other than maybe they didn't like the joke I told. And let me just – and let me point – there's a be, agreements between two parties that wanted to keep it quiet, and that's up to them. They signed those agreements, so, and we'll live with it. So wait, when you say it is – Yeah, um, I mean, all in all, the debate was – it was fiery. Everybody was definitely ramped up. Um, a lot of people, like I think Joe Biden, uh, stuck to his guns and really talked about um, the same things he's been talking about for the entire season so far. Mostly his his electability. Yeah, everybody everybody's really starting to pull apart, and I think uh, that's the major theme right now. Would you say that this was the spiciest debate yeah it was easily the spiciest debate i mean there were a lot of call outs um i think the moderators were having a really hard time trying to keep up with okay who do we have to who do we have to get back to because they just got name checked by somebody else um i think a couple of times just for time's sake people were skipped over um because there wasn't enough time to to go back for them to reply to what somebody else said for some of the candidates, um, they sort of got left out of their rebuttals because there just wasn't enough time and there's so many candidates on stage. Um, but yeah, all in all, um, definitely a rousing debate. Uh, one that was, if you didn't get to tune in, one that was definitely go worth going back and looking at the highlight reels. Um, just for quotability, it was really out there. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing about your coverage next week. Yeah, I am too. Um, so obviously this Saturday, um, we've got the caucus in Nevada, which I won't be at. But next Saturday, we have uh, the primary in South Carolina, which is going to be interesting. I think I think that um, Nevada 
is a diverse state, but I think that uh, South Carolina is really going to be the first flagship state um, for a lot of these campaigns just because uh, it is the most diverse in terms of uh, the percentage of African Americans in the state who are really going to um, give us a little bit of a taste of what that vote is looking like and um, what candidates they're going for. Yeah, right now in the most recent poll from Winthrop University, they have Biden in the lead, which has been expected for a, a while. Biden does really well with um, African-American uh, voters, as does Sanders, but Sanders is trailing behind by a few points at 19%. And then surprisingly, um, Tom Steyer, who actually wasn't in this last debate, which I very much missed his plaid tie, <laughs> but um, he is pulling in third. And actually for a while, he was running so many ads, he was pulling in second place in the state. Um, and, then, and then Buttigieg, Warren, and Klobuchar after that. So it'll be definitely interesting to see when we go down to South Carolina um, what that vote looks like. And then, of course, um, after South Carolina, which comes on a leap year, woohoo, um, we go right into Super Tuesday. And the uh, scary thing right now about Super Tuesday, well, I guess not not scary, but um, the, the amazing thing about Super Tuesday right now is that um, it looks like, so in, in a lot of years on Super Tuesday, candidates uh, gain almost a, a good amount of the votes that they need to win the nomination. Um, candidates need, uh, I think it's 1,990 delegates in order to, to win the nomination. And right now, um, according to uh, 538, Sanders has a one in three chance after um, Super Tuesday of having more than half the pledged delegates. Um, so being able to get the nomination, um, Sanders does, has, has a one in three chance. But you know who has a two in five chance of uh, winning more than half the pledged delegates is uh, nobody. So oh, there's a there's an over a forty percent chance that no one gets more than um, half the pledged delegates, um, which is an issue. And that's actually something they talked about at the debate too. Like if if no one wins the nomination, what do we do? Um, and then it'll go to the Democratic convention after that. And I'm not sure when the last time that was that that happened. But um, it, it really, in this campaign, it looks like in this election cycle, we're we're going to be in it for the long haul as journalists, I think. This is not a this is not a clear cut debate. And if we've seen anything from the past few states, you know, what happened in Iowa with Pete Buttigieg, what happened in uh, New Hampshire with Amy Klobuchar doing very well there. Um, I think maybe maybe it's not anybody's game, but surprises are to come. I think I think um, nobody's got it in the bag right now. Well, we look forward to your future coverage in the next few weeks as well. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it too. Hopefully, I do a good job. I'm sure you That's will. It's my first time. <laughs> <laughs> So right now we're going to take a little break and then after that we're going to come back with um, some correspondents from the Columbia Chronicle who are going to tell us a little bit about the effects that coronavirus is having on the social fabric of uh, people in the United States and around the world. Um, it's not just affecting people's health, it's also affecting um, how people treat each other. And then if you stick around till the end of the hour, me and Yasmin will give you some of our favorite social media moments of the week. Love it. We'll be right back. Welcome back to In The Loop on 88.1 WCRX-FM. I'm Louise Nats. Coronavirus is something we've talked a lot about on this show, even in the few episodes that we've done. By this episode, at least 2,244 people have died, and the total number of infected worldwide stands at over 76,000. It's been a tragedy for so many. And although the risk of infection here in the United States is extremely low, some Americans have felt its effects in other ways. Fear of the disease has led to reports of xenophobia against Chinese and other Asian Americans. Just a few days ago, two Asian American men in Plymouth, Indiana, 
were declined a room at two motels. Some of their interactions with staff were caught on camera. What? Are you from China? Why is that? You haven't heard of the coronavirus? So, what does that have to do with those? Because it's a, it's a major problem at hotels right now. We're trying to keep the stuff from not spreading. So we're Asian or we're Oriental. If you're from China, I need to know. Because why? Because there's a coronavirus going around, and anyone from China, I am told, has to be picked up and quarantined for two weeks. Is there a policy? Can I see that? Can I see that policy? I talked with Nick Forsyth, a staff reporter at the Columbia Chronicle, about his article, Coronavirus Epidemic is Fueling Discrimination Towards Chinese Students, which was featured on the paper's front page this week. And along with him came Annalee Ackerman, one of his sources and an Asian-American interdisciplinary documentary student here at Columbia College Chicago. She discussed her experience with discrimination since the outbreak of the virus. got the idea from Anna Lee because we were we have a doc uh, or not a doc class we have a uh, a producing class together SDF strategic distribution um, and it just it just kind of came up uh, she was talking about how uh, she had been getting glares on the train because because she's Chinese um, and then two other students in the class also said similar stories about how you know they were getting looks and discriminatory like behavior done towards them because they're Chinese or they wear a mask around the city um and then Annalie I I think I don't, I don't know if you said like oh this would be a great idea for a story maybe but you said something, something like you, you said something like oh like maybe I should do my doc on this or something um and then and I was like oh yeah that's a really cool idea and then literally like I don't know if it was a couple days later or if it was the next day but literally, the Chronicle said, we want to cover the coronavirus, but we want to do, like, a student angle. Right. And I was like, oh, well, I've literally heard already three stories about this happening. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll cover it. So, and yeah. that's just kind of how it started, yeah. Yeah, and so, and so Annalie, with you, it's like, you know, you, I know you're featured right at the top of this story, but um, could you tell us just a little bit about, like, this phenomenon the things have been that have been going on yeah um so uh specifically with me with my story um i was on my way home from my internship um i was coming from up north i was hopping down the red line long day i was tired i was like "Mm, just mind my own business you know as one does um and i got on it was a pretty i was like a um a pretty packed car and i sat down and on like a few stops down this uh middle-aged guy came on the train um and he sat down across from me and every time I looked up like he kept like I I just like caught him like staring at me I was like what the heck I'm like like, what's going on um and it like continued like I was like my my was like minding my own business I was like looking down at my phone um and then I looked up again and he like pulled his jacket like up over his nose and to like cover his nose and his mouth. I was like, mm. what is happening? And then I was like, oh, this is, we're like reaching the height and fear of the coronavirus. Um, we see it all the time in the news and all over social media. Yeah. And um, at that time um, is when the two people in the suburbs had the coronavirus too. Right. So like, obviously this fear is rampant in the city and so i didn't like take it too personally because it wasn't it wasn't like directly against me um at least i would like to think more against like his way of trying to protect himself against the virus i guess um but it, i i i'd like to think that like what he did was just an action that like stemmed from fear yeah yeah and you were born in china right yes i'm adopted Mm -hmm. yeah so have you have you ever felt anything like that here in chicago before no this is the first time that i've um at least noticed uh or experienced such um 
a direct act of uh, of racism. Um, I mean, growing up in a biracial family, it um, there wasn't so much racism, but just like ignorance to the fact that like biracial families like are a thing, but nothing like like explicitly racist. Um, so. I was very like taken aback. I mean, I'm very grateful that nothing significant um, racially has like happened to me, but this was the first thing that's come about. Yeah, I think that was one of the questions that I asked you was, have you ever felt anything before this had ever happened? And you said no, but mm-hmm. like, you know, it was weird for you growing up in like a biracial family sometimes, mm-hmm. but nothing like like actual, like a glare mm-hmm. or like, yeah. like, a, like a look at you. Mm-hmm. And how did that, you said you were kind of, like, confused by it at first, but it's, like, how did that afterwards, how did that affect you? Yeah, um, I think it definitely lingered, and I didn't take it too personally. Um, but it's definitely something that's, like, stuck with me even weeks afterward. Um, if anything, like, I feel more bad for the people who have such a deep fear that they fear a whole race, you know? And they're like missing out on being able to see people like who they are and, and, but instead when they see a certain race, they see, oh, virus. Yeah, and I think uh, another aspect that plays into it is just like the misreporting out there and the fear. Uh, I think the misreporting and like the the, uh, exaggeration uh, plays into it a lot Um, because you know, there was a lot of, uh, you know, misconceptions out there or, like, misreported facts of where the virus originated from. You know, a lo- I, I heard that a lot of stories uh, kind of made it sound like, oh, like, Chinese people are, you know, more prone to the virus or something like that when that's not actually true at all. Right. It just so happened that the virus originated in China. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we just had those, what, 300 people come back from the Diamond Princess cruise ship that's in Japan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and you see the... You see the um, the photos of them coming back on the plane, I don't think any of them are Chinese. Right. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, so that's that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so, and this isn't just a thing. So we're talking about specifically here on Columbia College Chicago campus. Like, um, these things are happening. I know that there have been a couple of stories that have come out recently that this isn't, this is a common thing that's happening at campuses right now. Um, like, I know uh, Bernard College and Columbia University um, are having issues with racism towards Asian students. Mm. Wow. Um, so why do you think that this is happening right now? Why there are, why is there discrimination on campus? Yeah, specifically on, on campus. Because you think that, you would think that college students, I mean, I mean, younger people would know better, or at least people who are right. getting an education. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, you would hope. Yeah, maybe people are just being jerks about it. Or being or using it as an excuse to be a jerk. Um, yeah. Do you think that the meme culture has anything to do with it? Because we actually talked about this a week ago on the show about how we there's been obviously there's been a lot of like memes going around about like LOL Corona, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think that that plays into it at all? Yeah, I I think so. I mean, I've seen some memes on Twitter where it's like, oh, like I'm gonna go get Chinese food. I hope I don't get coronavirus. Right. And it's just mm-hmm. like, like yeah, it's a joke, but also it's like that's terrible. That's like that's really racist. So, um, I think that does have a a thing to do with it. But again, also I think it's mostly just stemming from fear and misinformation mm-hmm. uh, by the media. Um, I think a lot of the times when outbreaks happen, uh, they're kind of blown out of proportion by the media. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, obviously they are a real concern, but you know. At sometimes, the end of the day, you have a better chance of getting hit by a car than catching the coronavirus. Yeah, sometimes, you know, it just seems like, oh, it's the end of the world, like it's the next bubonic plague right. or something. <laughs> you know, everyone's going uh, mm-hmm. to die by tomorrow. So kiss your family goodbye, but it's really not that at all. Like, uh, you know, I interviewed an uh, infectious disease doctor mm-hmm. for the story, and he said that the threat is extremely low. But, you know, sometimes when you go to articles online uh, or see news stories, it doesn't seem that way. You know, it seems like, oh, my God, I could walk out on the street tomorrow and I could get coronavirus. So I think that's where a lot of it stems from. Mm. Yeah. All that to say, too, though, that that like this is a virus that is spreading very rapidly and has the potential to cause um, a pandemic. Um, 
And so like being aware of like this is this is something that could grow into something very serious and very bad, but just also being aware of the facts as they stand now that mostly right now it is contained in China and Wuhan specifically. And so I think just like thinking back to when the coronavirus was, or not sorry, coronavirus, and we're talking about that, um, the Ebola virus, you know? And yeah. when that was so right, widespread and it was on our, every news channel every single night, full coverage all the time, quarantining, blah, blah, blah. And like, you know, there was discrimination against African Americans yeah. and African people I, at that time. I also think uh, just publications like The Chronicle, you know, that are actively like doing good reporting on stories like this, you know, like who aren't using it as a way to like, you know, make it seem worse than it actually is just to get clicks, you know, uh, right. you know, publications that are doing good reporting help quell, uh, you know, this kind of discrimination. And I think uh, people, just regular people can do their own part by, you know, being picky about where they get their news from, you know, don't get it just from social media, you know, get it from trusted sources uh, and get sources that won't, you know, blow things out of proportion just to right. get, you know, mm -hmm. viewership. And I think also just putting the humanity back into the situation as yeah, well. And absolutely. Like, um, yeah, I was I was going to bring that up. Um, one of my uh, my favorite part of the story is your end quote. If mm -hmm. I could read it, if you don't mind. Yeah, go um, for it. But you say, "Don't let your fear blindside your ability to see humanity." Some there are some things you can't control in life, but you can control how you respond to your fear. Could you talk mm -hmm. about that a little bit? Yeah. Um, I definitely think that with. Um, I mean, what we hear on the news all the time is coronavirus, Wuhan, Chinese, China, and the like. And so when that's all we hear, it's like we associate those things together. Um, and I definitely see it like it, it is a valid fear. Um, um, but what I feel that I don't hear a lot or see a lot are the stories of um, people being of the people who are being like directly affected by it um yeah um and that was one of the angles that i wanted to take with the story because you know i had read some opinion pieces from other publications about how you know like discrimination is bad and we shouldn't do it but like like one thing i really wanted to highlight was the personal you know stories people who are actually yeah. being affected by this uh what what do they think or what are their experiences because i think that's a really piece a really important piece of this story that is not really talked about that much. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, for, for us in the States and in Chicago specifically, where, like, the chances of us getting the coronavirus is so um, low, like, even your uh, doctor, medical source said that, too. Um, our chances of, of, of getting the virus is so low, but, like, right now, at least with this specific virus, um, people who are... Um, who are Chinese are feeling the effects of the coronavirus, and we are um, on the receiving end of all that fear that is manifesting in people. Yeah, yeah, and so we're we're a little bit too young, I think, to know to remember like the effect of the SARS outbreak um, around mm -hmm. two thousand three. Mm -hmm. um, but I feel like maybe we didn't really learn anything. <laughs> Um, what are you hoping that mm -hmm. people take away from this outbreak and your article? Um, I'm just hoping that people uh, learn that, you know, it's not uh, an outbreak is not an excuse to fear an entire race or not, uh, you know, is not a reason to, uh, you know, hit the panic button you know, yeah. uh, to fear an entire race of people is just kind of ridiculous. Um, I just, I just hope people take away some common sense, you know, uh, you know, like it is, it is a, it is a spreading virus. It is, it is a, it is an epidemic, but you know, like I, like we said before, like the, the spread is very low. So it's like, and that's a fact. So, you know, people need to look at the facts and the facts that are out there that are true, like you can go to the CDC website and you can look up how bad it actually is from a trusted source and then you can use that to gauge how you react to something like this. Um, so I just hope people get more common sense in the future um, before they, you know, look at someone who's Chinese on the train and then decide to pull the jacket over their face. Yeah. Right. 
I um I hope people become more self-aware of their yeah. intentional or intentional or unintentional actions. Um, and I feel like, um, you know, sometimes when those, situ- those situations happen on the tra- train that they can be very unintentional, you know, it's a very like subconscious action, like I have this fear built building inside of me and this is just a gut reaction um, so you don't think he was like trying to say something to you at all i mean no i i definitely didn't take it personally um and i definitely think that it's it it stemmed from fear but i hope with your article and other uh coverage that's coming out of the coronavirus is that like um just making people aware of m- more aware of their actions and and what they're doing and the effect that it has on the people that um it is directed toward um and realize their impact of subtle things that they do or maybe not so subtle (laughs) well thank you guys so much for coming on and talking about this really important and interesting um issue it's something that when originally when um the whole story broke out i didn't even think about becoming a thing um but i think that you guys coming here and talking about it for all of chicago to hear and worldwide we actually do have some worldwide listeners wow um that's amazing for so for for everybody to hear i think is is really cool and thanks for spreading the word yeah thanks for having us on thanks and uh, you you can if you want to see uh more stories on the columbia chronicle you can find them at columbiachronicle.com and also on twitter at cc chronicle yep thanks guys cool thanks part of in the loop you could find us on itunes and spotify you can also find wcrx on facebook twitter and instagram at wcrxfm or you can go to our website wcrxfm.com.edu on In The Loop on 88.1 WCRX Chicago with me, Louise Nets, and my co-host, Yasmin Shika. This is our favorite part of the show, I think. Oh, it definitely <laughs> is. I look forward to this part. We're, we talk about our favorite social media sensations that happen throughout the week, and we also talk about what we're looking forward to. What are you looking forward to this week? I didn't think of that part yet. <laughs> Me neither. That's why I asked you first. <laughs> what am I doing next week? Um, what am I doing next week? Ooh, okay. Well, I'm really looking forward to um, seeing what happens in Nevada on Saturday. Um, I think that it's really, um, I think it's going to be interesting to see people actually go out and vote for Bloomberg if they vote for him um, to kind of see like how this debate affected his, um, his uh, how people show up for him in the state. Um, and then also, I know he just a couple days ago was um, he qualified for the next debate in South Carolina, so we'll get to see him again. Woohoo! Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing how um, this kind of like political clobbering at the last debate um, affects his polling numbers. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah. I can't think of a ways that would make it easier for Donald Trump to get reelected than listening to this conversation. It's ridiculous. We're not going to throw out capitalism. We tried that. Other countries tried that. It was called communism, and it just didn't work. Um, well, I guess I could say I'm looking forward to next week. Um, my best friend graduated college last semester, and she's Yay. having a big like graduation bash next weekend. Um, and it's all ladies. So as a Muslim woman, I get to do my hair Ooh. and get my makeup done so i'm like really excited that's awesome yeah so that's something i'm looking forward to especially because i'm really happy for her and um we've been friends since we were babies so did you want to give her a shout out 
Oh, yeah. Her name is Sabrine Caduce. Um, she love is, you, Sabrine. Yeah, she's so <laughs> cute. I, like, love her. She Honestly, we are, like, the exact opposites of one another because she is always so, like, smiley and happy. And she walks into a room and everybody's just like, Sabrine. Aww. And then I walk into the room and I'm like, don't talk to me. Yeah, it's <laughs> relatable. Yeah, but I mean. Wait, I'm, what's your sign? I'm a Sagittarius. Okay. We never talked about this on the show. This is this is for another episode. Um, <laughs> I don't know too much about um, astrology. Yeah, I did. I helped um, Isabella Iliopoulos, Izzy E, here on WCRX. She's actually coming up next after our show with her Izzy Events show. Super fun. Um, but I helped her do a whole podcast about astrology, so that was fun. Um, my position was always like, don't really believe in it, but it's super fun. Um, and then we roped you into this cult. Right. And well, it wasn't so much and it's not so much now that I that I believe in it. Like, I don't really believe mm-hmm. in things, um, but it's more so that, like, I recognize it as like a useful tool that a lot of people use to, like, help them gain like structure in their life. So Yeah. And mm-hmm. I, think- I, I respect it, but it's not I, it's not like I don't believe it you know what right I mean? but you have learned about it and like yeah i respect it as it. like an interesting tool that people use yeah me too and i think that awesome. like something mm-hmm. for me you know having started knowing things about astrology for sure um not being completely in the dark about it but i never had had a uh, much further conversation beyond you know basics like we I, I had never really understood the cardinal fixed mutable concepts and i never really i knew that Wait, so it was each episode like a different sign um we interviewed different people oh yeah. okay yeah yeah we interviewed like uh it's called the astrology academy it's actually out on uh itunes and spotify and uh basically in every episode we talked to different people so we talked to a couple people who are witches we talked to people who read tarot cards um we talked to people who just like use astrology in their everyday life um and then i I was actually a guest on the last episode and we talked about um in the last episode yeah we talked about skepticism um so yeah that was a fun that was a fun podcast that sounds like a fun podcast yeah i personally i um i i don't believe in it <laughs> um, yeah but, but i mean it sounds interesting it's definitely trendy too it's so. definitely trendy yes it is um so Social media sensation. What was your favorite thing on the internet this week? Well, I saw many things that were pretty great on the internet this week. Let me start off with a video by Liza Koshy doing the broom challenge. Yes. I, I, let me just put in a little clip here. I heard about this broom thing. <laughs> Excuse me. I heard about this broom thing. Gravity is affected differently today in the broom. The broom stands up. Hold on. Let's see. I just, I can't stop laughing at her enthusiasm when she gets the broom to stand up and she just goes running down the stairs like, yo, yo. Like, I, I, love, just... I love the second part of the video where she starts picking up other like household cleaning items and see if she can stand them. My swiffer. And, like, yeah, no, not even the swiffer. With the swiffer, she like leans it up against something and then she literally gets out like a, like a spray bottle. I was like, oh my God, it stands, guys. <laughs> the plunger, don't ask me why my plunger. You're so big. <laughs> but we'll definitely post that on the uh, WCRX Twitter so you guys can see. It's hilarious. You have that, to check it out. That was one I don't think I'll ever stop laughing at. Um, another thing, I saw a tweet by somebody. Um, their at is at 3LaMass353. Um, and it said, don't delay, get married today. And that was a Muslim Arab man. <laughs> tweeted that so i thought it was really funny and being a muslim arab woman um there's always like this stereotype that muslim men and women that are like around um the millennial age the current like 
age right now, um, <laughs> they all just want to get married. Like, it's just like a funny little stereotype that mm-hmm. they all talk about. So I quoted the tweet that said, don't delay, get married today with Muslim mingle be like, and it got quite a few <laughs> likes, actually. I was, I, uh, I got like a whopping six likes on it. <laughs> and plot twist, you're getting married. <laughs> yeah, I am. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I fell into the stereotype. Oops. Um, well, you know, it happens to the best of us. Yeah. So yeah. tell me about yours. So my social media sensation actually happened two weeks ago, but I didn't notice it until yesterday because it was hashtag Dem Debate, and I just happened to see it through that. But The Daily Show posted a photo of um, Bernie and Biden, and then underneath them, they also put the photo of the two old men of the balcony, like, from the Muppets. I love that. Well, we should be looking at the World Wide Web by now. Well, does the World Wide Web look like two old coots with nose hair? I hope not. Then all I'm seeing is our reflection in the monitor. Did you try clicking on the mouse? We have mice? Oh, no, the computer mouse. Well, no wonder this is such a cheesy computer. Oh, would uh, you please just try to pay attention? Well, if you'd say something hey worth guys, hearing... Hey, guys, what are you uh, doing? Uh, what, 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 what does it look like? Yeah, we're surfing the World Wide Web. Hmm. Well, it might help if you turn the computer on. Wait, tr- huh? Turn the computer on? Well, that's what he said. Well... Anything's worth a try. I want our listeners to help me out a little bit because, so Bill Maher um, from HBO, he actually made this joke of like, if Bernie and Biden teamed up, they'd be like the two old men from the balcony from the Muppets, right? Mm -hmm. He made that joke like eight months ago. And I'm like, oh my God, did like the Daily Show steal their joke? Or is this a thing that like people are just talking about? Now that's a question. You know what I mean? Are people like are people referencing them as the old men from the balcony right now? Are are people referencing them as the Muppets? Or did the Daily Show steal a joke? Ooh. I don't know. So if anybody out there has the answer, I'm gonna um post this photo on Twitter and then if anybody knows if um, this is just a joke that's been going around, or if you know that like they stole the joke, like please fill me in. Yeah. Let's, so let's figure that one out. Louise needs to know. I need to know because like if they I know that the Daily Show is like struggling a little bit, like Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Mm-hmm. Um so was this just like an attempt like at some people? I don't know. Um or maybe I'm just being maybe I'm just being dumb. We'll find out. No, you're not being dumb. You're being curious. So um so I guess we'll wrap it up right here um thank you guys so much for listening in and we'll see you next week um up next is izzy events with my really good friend isabella iliopolis and we'll see you next week tune in next week at 3 p.m on friday for more of in the loop You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and follow WCRX FM on social media so you never miss an episode or any of your favorite social media moments. Thanks for listening and see you next week.